From the banks of Dewey Lake, it's the Dewey Pod Monster. Welcome back. My name is John, and this is the Dewey Pod Monster Podcast. This is your weekly podcast about consumption. We are proud members of the You Run Podcast Network. You can check out not only all of our previous episodes, but all our co-conspirators on the You Run Podcast Network at yourunpodcast.com. With me this week is the host of the Dewey Pod Monster Podcast. His name is Sean. And Sean, how the hell are you doing today? I don't think it's any secret that we don't necessarily record these just when these episodes come out. You know, we have a little bit of a leeway, I'd say. We've made that pretty well known. But I think that's bullshit. We recorded about 10 minutes before it drops. We just recorded it it and ghost. On Tuesdays. God damn it, John. The Lions won a motherfucking playoff game. And I have to be the first to admit this is not going to be all Lions talk, and I don't want to talk about the Lions much more than this, but I want to say I was a naysayer. I did not think that they were going to do well this year, number one. They far exceeded my expectation. I'm still not a bandwagoner because I'm not totally convinced yet. It's going to take a little bit more, but they won a playoff game. It's been since, what, like 1932 or something last time they won? 1991. 32, exactly. How the hell are you doing, John? I'm glad to be here. Glad to be talking to you. How are well, you? Well, as long as we're talking about things out of sequence, I just watched Baker Mayfield get tackled on his back, and he kicked his legs and his arms around like he was a turtle stuck on his back. So I was pretty <laughs> amused with that. Hey, maybe we'll include a, a, a replay clip if we can find it in the show notes. I don't intend to look for okay. it. Well, then never mind. Was... Pretend I didn't say that. Yeah. But I'm pretty sure that's how you avoid concussions now is you just kick your arms and legs like a turtle and act like you can't get up. Maybe. I'm doing pretty good. I'm also excited about the Lions. I'd, I'd venture out to say between the two of us, I'm probably the bigger Lions fan than you are, but I'm pretty psyched about it. So now I'm looking forward to at least one more week of football and we'll go from there. I have a little bit of a different thing I was going to bring up for you. I don't know if you want me to do this before we talk about what we watched or maybe before a break or where you want me to kind of slide it in there but do you want me to hit you with it now or do you want me to take it on the back end of what we've watched are you are you leaving the podcast is this our last episode uh no oh then slip it in john feel free to slip it in whenever you need to so this is a good and sloppy one have you heard that they're set to remake the blob again this time they're the same dude who did hellraiser which we watched uh, last year maybe the year before that something like that he's been tapped to write and direct an additional remake of the blob i know this is a movie that is the blob 1988 is near and dear to your heart so i'd be interested to know your take hot or cold or whatever on it i had not heard that that is news to me. That's kind of exciting. I mean, you know, I don't really, we, I don't think we were really super huge fans of Hellraiser, but it was not the worst thing that we saw last year. So it could be interesting. I'm open. Okay. Regardless of my ranting from a couple of weeks ago about sequels and prequels and remakes and whatnot, you know, hey, we'll see what happens. See, my initial thought when I read it was, why the hell are they remaking this movie? This movie's about as close to perfect as a movie's going to get, or, <laughs> you know, it's pr- it's pretty up there. And then I was like, well, they did. The, the movie that we liked is a remake. So, eh. and by we, I mean me in this case. I was So I, I was kind of on the fence with it. I was like, you know what? The Blob is the kind of movie that, although I can tell you with 100% certainty without seeing anything other than that headline and like the article that I skimmed that this is going to be like an all CGI movie. Like, oh, of course. Yeah, I don't think absolutely. You, you do anything or next to anything practical in this. But if you're going to take the premise of a creature feature that could be done 
in CG and probably look kind of cool and probably be taken to a whole different like level of blobness. Like I would, I'm, I'm hoping for a blob that's like the size of the fucking Superdome or whatever that's down, like just massive beyond massive, like more than I want more blob than we've ever seen blob before. Yeah. And I mean, it's kind of a story that's ripe for any time period i mean i think that they might have to do something with you know disabling cell phones or or something but be cool to do as a timepiece too like even yeah. set it back and like was the original 55 like something set like it that. in 1955 yeah. but use modern effects to make it look modern i guess well and the other thing too is just because they say that they've got somebody signed on to do x y and z you know who knows when we'll actually see that i know that's kind of like well, when you yeah. think of like video game adaptations movies you've been hearing for years that you know x director is connected to y video game franchise that they're going to make into a movie and nine times out of ten about a halo movie for fucking decades now and i just saw a commercial during that football game that there's a halo tv show now i'm like well i think that's been out (laughs) i think that's been out since they've been done with the first season of that i think for a little while but i think of metroid like metroid was one that oh yeah I've, i've been hearing about that since i think Super Nintendo is when they started saying they were going to make a Metroid movie or something like that. That that wouldn't surprise me, but they got so burned with the first Mario movie. And now that I think that they've made a lot of money on the animated one, that they're kind of a little bit more open, but that's neither here nor there. That's just some slipping some video games in in your movie talk. Well, I I did play Metroid up through the GameCube one. So I do know a little bit about those ones. It's the newer stuff I don't like, but, or don't, I shouldn't say I don't like it. I don't have interest in it, so I don't care. But I could see the basic premise of Metroid actually working as a way, way better than what Mario did, at least the Mario that we watched. I haven't watched last year's Mario movie yet, but Metroid as a premise seems like, you know, you have a chick in an alien suit fighting aliens. That alone, it's been done, but we could do it again. Why not? Fuck it. All right. Well, I was, wasn't sure what kind of reaction I was going to get from you on that. I was kind of hoping for like some vitriol stone and hellfire yeah Some something rage. but no this we'll is a 2024 a kindler kindler kinder gentler me perhaps that's what sean says in january wait till we get to fucking april or you know whenever art comes out again i do think i said that last year too yeah very likely <laughs> so if someone wants to go back and listen to the january episodes you can go ahead and fact check that and let us know while you do that sean what you've been watching over the last week or so I've had uh, a big documentary resurgence. I, I'm a really big fan of watching not only kind of obscure documentaries about just ridiculous bullshit, and I'm not really talking about new documentaries. I feel like in the past, I don't know, 10, five to 10 years, documentaries are less about being objective and more about pushing an agenda. And I know that that's, it's probably always had all documentaries have some kind of spin on them, but I feel like there's so many that are about, you know, they're, they're trying to push since really for better or for worse, Bowling for Columbine, Michael Moore style documentary filmmaking. And I know that's been more than five years, but since that came out or since Bowling for Columbine came out, there's a real like agenda that a lot of documentaries push. So I spent a fair amount of my time, actually everything I think I'm going to talk about of what I've been watching has been documentary stuff. The first thing before you go into that, yes, does Michael Moore still make films or is he dead or what, what's going on? Cause I haven't heard his, I know I've, I hear his name like every once in a while. Usually it's on like South park or something, but as far as like his name in reference to a film of his, it's been a while. Like, is he still actually making documentaries or doing anything? I know he's not dead. <laughs> yeah. Well, so he's got that I know he's not dead too, but <laughs> I don't know. You look at him sometimes and it might be a little questionable. 
but the last thing it looks like that he did was Fahrenheit 11.9, which I didn't see, and that came out in 2018. And that was like the 9/11 one, wasn't it? Well, he did Fahrenheit 9/11. I think 11.9 is like an update to it or something. I honestly, I really don't know. I haven't really caught much of what he's done since Fahrenheit 9/11. But yeah, it, it looks like he's still active. But okay, man, I digress. Anyway, anyways, the first thing that I watched that I'll touch on, I, I'll do these in order. I watched uh, a documentary called New York Doll, a do- and it's a documentary that follows Arthur Killer Kane from the New York Dolls. He was the bassist. If you're not familiar with the New York Dolls, he, have you seen it? No, but I like the New York Dolls. Oh, okay. So if you're not familiar with the New York, New York Dolls, they were kind of proto, kind of proto punk, right? I mean, they came out before punk. They yeah, a lot of people consider them one of the early, early punk bands because they were a mainstay at CBGBs. They were uh, they've influenced a lot of English punk, right? Yeah, and they once punk started to break, and a lot of bands similar to them, like the Cramps, and so, you'd find them in similar spots. So and the Cramps are kind of that same vein of like not kind of almost predating punk kind of almost being too weird for punk kind of being punk at the same time it's that weird like late 70s early 80s like we don't know what the fuck to call this and we're just doing weird shit and then now 40 years after the fact we're retrofitting titles for it if you were too punk to be punk you were considered to be punk but anyways new york dolls were out of new york and they dressed i guess they were kind of it was it was their opinion of what women dressed like prostitutes almost and they just dressed over the top they looked like women they kind of launched glam bands too at the same time a lot of glam bands took inspiration from the look at least of the new york dolls but arthur killer kane was the bassist this documentary follows him years after the new york dolls had broken up and he had been an alcoholic he was a recovering alcoholic by the time this documentary was made and he was actually working at the library of the latter-day saints in utah and he had become a mormon he was a born again, you know, I guess I don't know much about Mormonism, but I'm guessing he fell into that kind of born again lifestyle. And of all things, the movie takes place or the documentary takes place as of all people, Morrissey contacts the remaining surviving members of the New York Dolls to play this festival that he had had a hand in, in forming. So I guess in the UK every year, this festival would come together and different artists would curate who they wanted to play at at this festival and it was morrissey's year and he was a big fan of the new york dolls surprisingly i would not have pegged him for a new york dolls fan that doesn't shock me do you know the name of the festival i can look it up and i'll tell you about it i don't i don't remember exactly what it is because this is no big deal if you don't i just i'm curious for my own interest uh yeah let me look it up i mean it should be in the description or something I'll just, I'll tell you, I'll look it up later and I'll let you know. Actually, it's on Plex if you want to watch it. It's a good documentary. Okay. So he he re- tries to reunite the New York Dolls. They get back together. They start rehearsing and it's all leading up to this performance in the UK. Arthur Kane, he plays this festival. He comes home and as he comes home, to spoil it, this is a documentary from like, I don't know, mid 2000s. He comes home and he starts kind of feeling, he thinks he's jet lagged and he ends up I think he had an apartment or something in L.A. He's in L.A. He decides he's going to go see the doctor because he's just not feeling, you know, he's kind of still feeling the effects of being tired and he didn't know what it was. Found out he had uh, stage four lymphoma and he died within four hours of getting his diagnosis. And it was like in like they they talk about him in the documentary as like kind of past tense because they interview the directors being a person that's interviewed because he's just spent so much time with them. The people that he worked with in the library that kind of 
knew his past and he was just so so straight-laced by the time he worked in the library that no, everybody that worked with him nobody knew that he was a part of this really you know influential band that was a really good documentary i had seen part of it and i kind of went back and revisited it the second documentary that i watched was a documentary called i think we're alone now and it's a documentary basically about a couple of super fans of the former teen idol tiffany and you could call him fans but one of them at one point had a restraining order against him because he was so obsessed with tiffany unrestrained yeah he was unrestrained at the time and i think he had autism or asperger's or something and he it's he's a really interesting guy besides the fact that he is batshit crazy about tiffany and the other person was a trans person really in the this is again early 2000s documentary so they claim that they were like intersex meaning they were had both sex organs essentially and that they were raised at one point to be a male and one point to be a female and she's just a really interesting character in her own right that's a really (laughs) a really weird and interesting documentary and that's actually available on tubi it came out in 2008, so you can watch that. I then found the YouTube channel of the director because he worked in a little bit in animation, but it looks like he's trying to get back into filmmaking of, you know, live action filmmaking. And he has a YouTube channel where he went back and, and re-interviewed a few of the people from 15 years ago and has talked to them. And, and you can see where they're at now. They're both still alive, surprisingly. Other than that, that was a really good documentary, really interesting look at at fandom and super fandom and a borderline obsession, obviously. And then the other thing that I've been watching is a TV show that some people have probably heard of. It's called The Curious Case of Natalia Grace, and it's Discovery or TLC show. It's on Discovery Plus, and I think it was on broadcast TV, uh, cable TV. And it's about a girl that is a little person who was adopted. She was from the Ukraine. And the first season is really all based on her fa- her adoptive father's view of what this girl was. And spoiler alert, the really condensed, least spoilery thing I can say is that when she was adopted, they had a birth certificate that said she was born in 2003. She was adopted in like 2011, 2010, 2011. And they said that she was basically sociopathic and she tried to kill the family on multiple occasions. They had her committed. All these doctors had seen her. And they said that she was actually... As you do. Yeah, as you do. And they, the doctors claimed that she was actually a 22-year-old woman masquerading as a 7- and 8-year-old to try and con people. And they got her age changed legitimately through the courts. And, uh, yeah, I, I would say hilarity ensues. <laughs> I don't know how much hilarity actually ensues, but it's a it's a really interesting program. But we started season two. I watched it with my whole family, which is really weird to watch it with like preteens and like early teenage kids. And we're watching the show and it kind of gets into some some areas that, you know, a little questionable, but they are transfixed on the show. And season two is going and and you're getting her side of the whole story. So it's a really, it's just a really interesting thing. The, the thing I'll say about the series, it's six episodes and they're like 49 minutes each episode or whatever, but it's one of those shows where they recap so much that by the sixth episode of the season, you're like, okay, there's, there's legit like an hour, hour and a half story or something in this whole thing, but you're, they're drawing it out so long to make yeah. it six parts. It's a super interesting, super crazy subject to talk about, but it's just so 
drawn out. Like they just talk about it for so long. It's it's it would be nice to get the the cliff notes version of the story, but it's a really interesting story nonetheless. I want to say my wife has watched that or something along those lines, but I could be wrong. This story sounds familiar to me, but maybe it's just a different little person that got told they were 40 or something like that. I don't know. Well, they do claim that that they happens all the time that they (laughs) it does happen all the time. (laughs) They do claim the the Natalia Grace does claim that she thinks her parents, her adoptive parents got the the story from the movie The Orphan, which I think follows pretty much the exact same storyline of this person, a little person masquerading as a child when they're actually an adult. So maybe you watch The Orphan. No, I didn't watch it. I feel like I was told about this documentary before. Oh, okay. Anything else you caught up on over the last week or so? No, I started watching a documentary about Johnny Thunders because I started falling into all this. New York doll stuff after the Arthur Killer Kane documentary, but it wasn't it's called um actually I think I removed it from my notes that what the name of it is, but it was it was basically really uninteresting the first, I don't know, half hour or whatever that I watched. It was more of one of those documentaries where they have photos of someone and they just kind of like slideshow you through the photos and they have people talk about it and it just didn't seem all that interesting. But have you watched since you're in that like because that's kind of like the documentaries i really like to play and have you watched any of the old like cbgb documentaries or anything about that like whole scene back in the late 70s i haven't no i'd be be interested to watch any if you have any recommendations but i haven't seen any i have to find the titles of them i'll I'll get them to you because i i've seen a few of them and there's the one that there's the one that's a movie that alan rickman played what's his face the cbgb's guy and that one's okay but it's really more of a movie than a documentary you know like it's fictionalized and whatnot Right. I'll have to find the ones that I really liked and I'll, I'll send them your way for sure. Cool. So yeah, it's been, like it's been a while since I went down. That's a rabbit hole that I go in and out of a couple times a year. And it's, I think the last time I talked about it, I was on the other side of the country talking about like LA punk rock and stuff like that. Well, since we're on the subject of documentaries, I didn't finish this, but I dove into and started In Search of Tomorrow from our good friends that made In Search of Darkness. I'm about three out of five hours into it, which quite the uh task have you did you watch that one yet or did you i know it's available but i watched part of it and i think i watched it so closely on the heels of in search of darkness that it just for for me it didn't scratch the same itch that in search of darkness did so i kind of abandoned it after a little while so i'm finding that so i'm I'm far enough in now that i want to finish it because i'm i'm past the halfway point but i'm kind of finding the same thing like it's so david if you're listening i apologize i don't want to sound like a jerk <laughs> but you're probably not listening so it won't be jerks no it doesn't feel as well diagrammed out as what in search of darkness did like it feels like it's more scatterbrained for lack of better wording as far as how it's going about from topic to topic there's so much time spent on like i don't need to hear about star wars i understand star wars is a huge fucking movie and influential and all that crap or et or any of that level of sci-fi movie like i get that you can't talk about the genre for them because they really cover like a long time like i don't even know what the scope of this documentary is like with in search of darkness we knew it was 1980 to 1989 or with the new one that's coming out 90 to 94 or whatever the case is like it's very well telegraphed these are the areas that you're going to be looking at and so on this one feels like it's just kind of all over the place one minute i feel like they're talking about et then they're going back in time and talking about star wars and then they're up to some random weird little sci-fi movie which those are the ones i would like to see more of because my ideas for what to watch partially for this show partially for my own enjoyment you know it's good but it doesn't 
it, it feels more scattered. And the other thing that's interesting about it is when you're watching guys like, not just your guys like Carpenter or Wes Craven or whoever, like your big names are in horror movies that are talking about those in, in Search of Darkness, when they get to the other people like the, the Cinemasker dork or the, the, the more average guys that are on that, you really feel like the love and the passion that they have for all these weird, random, obscure, hole-in-the-wall movies. And I don't get that same, like, warm, gooey feeling for all these sci-fi movies that they're talking about like I did with In Search of Darkness. It's it's noticeably different. It's still worth checking out. If you like sci-fi at all, I mean, you're going to have lots of big names that you're going to love seeing in it and some smaller stuff, too. But it definitely feels, I don't want to say it's worse per se but it doesn't feel like it had the same attention to detail that in search of darkness got if i'm not mistaken they in search of darkness they do have some of the same reoccurring people that come on but it seems like in search of tomorrow it's like the same people it's like five or six people that right. seem to pop up all the time and the other thing too like with in search of darkness again they got they got carpenter they got toby hooper tom sveen they got big name people that you if you're doing a, that kind of a huge shit what was that like 12 hours by the time you're done with it like, yeah something like that 12 or 15 yeah if you're doing like 12 hours just deep diving on horror you want those names like john carpenter and so on to be sprinkled in with i don't know clue gallagher or something like <laughs> here's <laughs> you know here's the name that you know here's the name that you might not know but if you know you know type thing like i'm not like upset that they couldn't get like spielberg or george lucas or something like that or James Cameron or one of those guys to sit in and like talk with them. I'm not surprised by it either. Cause obviously those are like huge, like top of the mountain, like names in Hollywood, but you almost feel like you would have got a couple of them that you might know, like maybe you don't get Lucas, but you know, someone who, I mean, they got a bunch of IOM guys on there that pop up a lot. And that makes sense because that's like half of what science fiction was, was IOM effects for what fucking 30 years. But yeah, you don't see the, the high end, Again, this sounds shitty, but you don't see the high-end talent or the high-end names in it like you did with horror. It's just like middle ground the whole way through. Yeah, I think, like I said, the thing with me that it just didn't capture the same, didn't scratch the same itch and seeing the same people talk long form because I feel like they talk longer about certain things. Yeah. Like In Search of Darkness kind of seemed like it was like boom, 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 boom because they had so much ground that they were covering. And not to say this one doesn't. But I think that just with just how many movies they went through with In Search of Darkness compared to what from what I saw. And in search of tomorrow, it just, like I said, just didn't scratch that itch for me. Yeah. And I'm kind of feeling the same, but again, I'm going to, at this point, got to finish it, right? Yeah. You're in for the long haul. Going off of yours and a couple other friends' recommendations that we talked to on this show, I gave Talk to Me a try. I'm interested. By A24 standards, it's one of the better A24 movies I've seen. I'll give it that. By movies that I like to watch standards, it's kind of right in the middle. It's not bad. <laughs> It's not it's not a bad movie by any stretch, and it does some interesting things, but it also kind of feels like something that I've seen in so many ways before. It doesn't, you know, it's that genre, that elevated horror genre is what they're going for, and that just doesn't hold my interest very well. I mean, to this movie's credit, it's only an hour and a half long. It's fairly simple, and they actually kind of respect the audience because they don't just spoon feed you everything that they're trying to tell you. They kind of let you come to some of your own conclusions with the story, which I like that. 
the scene where it gets gnarly, it gets kind of pretty gnarly. So that's entertaining for what it is. But as a whole, like I'm kind of middle of the road with it. I could take it or leave it. I don't feel mad that I watched it, but I'm not like, I've heard a lot of people say that was the best thing they saw last year. And I'm definitely not in that camp. I think for me, it was one of, it was a high up on the list, but it, I don't, I wouldn't classify it as being the best, but I thought it was pretty good. I didn't think it was as, as much of a horror movie as I was expecting. Yeah. I don't know that I would call, I mean, it's horror in the sense that it's like 2023, you know, modern horror. It's not horror of like here comes Jason with a machete and a chainsaw in each hand, like chopping up some half naked teenagers. That It's not yeah. that. <laughs> no, that's definitely not. Right. But it is horror in the sense that if you watch a lot of what new horror movies are, and let's face it, A24 is probably about 50% of that, the other 50% being like Blumhouse and Rest, it feels very at home with that. It's just, I don't know, I can see why people like it. It's just not the kind of horror movie that really, you know, turns my crank. <laughs> okay. Yeah. Watching Hard Knocks this week, I really, so when that this season started or this in season one, the first thing you said was that the head coach of the Dolphins looked really, really high. This week's episode or the one that came out, so this would have been the last week of the regular season. So right before they go into the playoff week, dude, McDaniel's eyes are as red as a dog's dick at the beginning of this interview. And he's slurring words and he's mumbling and he's hunched over like he can't sit up straight. I was like, I mean, if he wasn't high before, he's definitely high here. Like he is either just had his heart broken and ran over by his teenage crush or he's just high as hell. Maybe both. So I, I'd noticed that. And that's kind of been my new, like, ever since you said it, that's my favorite game in Hard Knocks is let's see how high the coach is. <laughs> well, hopefully he's not been drinking. And yeah. Because he had a nice re uh, revelation about his um, being sober for eight years. That's where I was going to go. That's where he ends that episode with us talking about being sober for however many years. I was like, hmm, doesn't look it, but okay. <laughs> but I guess sober can mean different things to different people. So California sober. All right. Then the only other new movie, well, new to me movie that I watched, and you brought this one to my attention, was Vampire Time Tra Travelers. And oh, you watched it? I did. Okay. I'd love to hear what you have to say about it, because I have no clue what it's about. I just saw the cover, and it was the most, most things it could be. Instant candidate for crummy movie March. Really? It is. It's dumb, but I was moderately entertained with it. I don't want to, honestly, there's not enough to say on it where if I say anything, it will leave you interested. Mm -hmm. So oh, if okay. I say anything, it's going <laughs> to, it's going to spoil it for you okay. that quickly. Then, then leave it to my imagination and we'll revisit it. We'll put a pin in it. So aside from that, I basically did a bunch of rewatches, like just kind of sitting there, like not wanting to think. I did go through and marathon through the entire season of Freaks and Geeks again, which I think we talked about that show on this before. Four, have we? I, I feel so. like we have. Maybe. Okay. I've definitely seen it all. Yeah. Well, that's a good show, and that hits way too close to home because I was a teenager in high school around the time that this was shot. I'm like, oh, this reminds me a lot of my high school in Michigan. So it's got that going for it. And it's kind of a fun show to go back and watch because the more you go back and watch that now, the like so much of this, you're like, this would never happen today. There's so many things in this that just flat out would not happen in this day and age. Some of those for the better, some of those probably not. And then, yeah, I've kind of sat through Once Upon a Time in Hollywood again, which is, in my opinion, one of the better Tarantino movies. Sat through Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy again, which is a really underrated adaptation of a book that's a really high-end book, a good book that got a surprisingly great movie, and no one saw it because it came out the same week as Revenge of the Sith. I remember seeing it in the theater and really liking it, and hearing the, I don't know, criticism about it. 
I never read the book, so I didn't have anything to base it off of, but I, I really enjoyed the movie. I've read the books, and here's the thing when you criticize a book that's being adapted from a movie. It's a movie. It's not a book. Calm down. Like, there's going to be things that change. It doesn't ruin the movie. It doesn't ruin the book. They're two independent pieces of, you know, creation. Let it be. But the movie's good. Alan Rickman's as Marvin the Paranoid Android is just chef's kit. Like, tell me better casting than that. His, him doing being the voice actor is just spot on perfect. And really, everyone in that movie is pretty entertaining for what it is. So maybe we should talk about that in an episode because that movie is definitely one that doesn't get the uh, attention that it deserves. I mean, I have a Marvin tattoo on me. I'd be open to watching it again. Just putting that out there. But that's pretty much all I hit for the week as far as watches. And we've kind of gone long on this. So let's take a break and then we will come back and we'll get Shvetty. Hey fam, Newman here from Movies for Days, your non-pretentious easy access movie chat podcast and weekly deep dive into any film from any genre, from any decade with anybody's guess as to how we chose that movie that week. Proud member of the You Run Podcast Network, check us out where all great podcasts can be heard. And on Twitter, at Movies Days. Movies is spelled regular. Days is spelled with a Z. All right, so we're back. And this week we are talking about quite possibly my most anticipated film that we've ever watched under any circumstance for any reason on this entire podcast. If this was going to be the last episode of this podcast, this would be a good movie to go out on. We are talking about the classic workout movie 1990s leanna quigley's horror workout a teenage john favorite which is still an adult john favorite as well as always we're going to start with a third party review and this one's a little longer because god damn it it deserves it this is from kyle johnson who is over on letterbox so you could follow him there if you want and apparently he's taking the responses from his wife as the review but I thought it was funny, so we're going to go with it. So I'm going to say Kyle's wife, even though he typed my wife, because it just sounds weird. So Kyle's wife, are we even going to make it a minute into this before we see your tits? Kyle's wife, 50 seconds into Linnea Quigley's horror workout. I fucking knew it. Kyle's wife, 12 minutes into Linnea Quigley's horror workout, sat on the living room floor in the splits. I'm going to have the ass of Linnea Quigley when I'm done. Kyle's wife, 31 minutes into Linnea Quigley's horror workout, still sat on the living room floor in the splits, but now drinking a canned cocktail. You know, I think Linnea Quigley is just very body positive, and that's a good thing. But I do not condone working out without a bra. That will make your boobs sag. Kyle's wife, 50 minutes into Linnea Quigley's horror workout, doing the pelvic thrust on the living room floor. I always get Nixon and Reagan confused. They're both basically ghouls anyway. Kyle's wife, 53 minutes into Linnea Quigley's horror workout, finished with her thrusting. Aw, that's it? Don't we get to see her tits one more time? Three stars out of five. That's a long ass review actually that's one of the shorter ones really but i thought it was a pretty good commentary and kind of hits a lot of key points for the movie all right so if we go over to imdb we have the storyline we have the plot both are the same in this week's example and this comes from silent third member of the show ed sutton you can find him at e sutton at mindspring.com and ed has to say we miss you ed it's been a while yeah After a nice shower, Linnea does some warm-up stretches and goes for a run. She encounters some flabby zombies who follow her back to the house, where she leads them in some poolside aerobic routines. Later, she unwinds by inviting some girlfriends over for a slumber party and some exercise. 
When something goes bump in the house, her friends begin experiencing an attrition problem. I've never heard of a killing spree described as an attrition problem before, but okay. It's accurate. It's accurate. You got to give him some props for that. Are you going to read the storyline, which looks like it's the same thing or no? No, I already gave that disclaimer. They're the same. Oh, well, shit. I guess I wasn't paying attention. God damn it. So I'm going to go right out the gate here. I like how aware of itself this movie is like this movie is this a movie using the term exactly (laughs) that's kind of what i'm getting at but (laughs) it's more like a elongated music video than a movie which is fine it's a i mean it's like an hour long which is probably what a your average workout video is i don't know i don't have any other than this one but what i one of the things that's really amusing about this is the way linnea quigley plays up how she's talking to the camera how she's doing whatever she's doing and the shitty cheesy jerk off jokes that she makes through this entire movie this movie is very much aware of the fact that this is a tna movie and this is what people were going to use as like their spank bank for 1990 until whenever vhs went out and this got re-released on dvd and it it did this ever come out on dvd well or is this just a vhs yeah. thing I'm sure it's on DVD. It's not, it's not a, it just got re-released again on like a a super high resolution, whatever, which I need to buy. Oh, cool. Blu-ray. So I'm sure it's on DVD somewhere, but it's, like I said, it's very self-aware of what kind of movie they're making. It, It doesn't hide anything about it. It's, you're in for an hour of TNA and like basically watching exercise, I guess. But do you care? Yeah, you're not, you're not watching this for the exercise. It does. So my first impression, like I've, I've known about this video for a long time. I'd never seen it before, but my kind of, I don't know, preconceived notion or impression of this was that it was supposed to be a legitimate workout video with a couple like zombie campy zombie things thrown into it. So when we start, you know, when you suggested we watch it, I was like, I don't know how much content or how much we're going to be able to talk about this thing because it's an hour and it's a workout video. That's what I was thinking in my mind. But I did like that they, like you said, it, it's very self-aware. Linnea kind of narrates part of it and and the, the jerk-off jokes and the just how self-aware it was. It is. I wasn't, I wasn't really prepared for that, I think. I, and not like it blew my mind or anything, but it was entertaining to see that not only did we have some of this workout stuff, which workout in air quotes is super debatable. I don't know how much of a workout you would actually get. I mean, it's, it is aerobics in, in some form. That's what you're working out. Yes, yeah, exactly. Which muscle you're working. And I like that they they intercut like scenes from her movies, like a different set of movies. I think it was like maybe six or seven movies. And some of them, they just had stills that didn't actually have video from. But it was kind of cool to see that interspersed. I think it's funny that not only do they intercut different stills and different clips, it's very obvious which movies they had rights to and which ones they didn't. Yeah, I don't think they actually had rights to Return of the Living Dead, even though if I remember right, it's the same makeup guy that did all the zombies in Return of the Living Dead that did this. They show a picture of her from Return of the Living Dead, but you'll notice movies like Night of the Demons, for example, is mysteriously not in this at all. No. Which is one of her bigger ones. They make a mention of her being hung up on antlers, but you never see anything from Silent Night, Deadly Night, which is one of her, though she's not in that very much, it's probably one of her bigger titles or bigger movies. I don't think they have any scenes in it like actual clips in it not that this is a bigger movie of hers from hollywood chainsaw hookers or 
again, there's no actual movie clips from Return of the Living Dead. So you see a lot of Creepazoids, which is entertaining for what it is. You see Vice Academy in there a couple times, which is not really a horror movie. It's kind of a weird, it's very much in the vein of like reform school girls where it's like, she basically plays like a whore who's like, if I remember right, who's like dealing with like a cop or something like that, something along those lines. I, I, when a point made a point of finding him like i haven't watched that in 20 years let's see how this is what's the other one that they keep going back to oh they do a lot of uh assault of the party of the nerds there's that one and mm-hmm. sorority babes and the slimeball bull rama too which is another one that that one i know is on tubi but it was not the movies that they're pulling from mostly for clips are definitely not her god i don't even know that they'd be her b titles let alone her a titles if there are a titles so i I don't know. That's kind of cool, though. I like that you're seeing all these other random ones that, unless you're obsessed with Linnea Quigley, <clears throat> guilty, <laughs> you're probably not going to know half those movies that are like clipped in there. Yeah, that's part of the thing. When I watched it, I was like, I have never seen, I've never seen Creepazoids. I've never seen, some, you know, most of the ones they actually had clips from, which I think we just mentioned they had like four movies that they really clipped out and the other couple that they show are just stills. But I thought it was funny that you mentioned the antlers part and they mention it in two separate things. One of them, they kind of mention it as they they mix up the antlers in a shower and some, you know, they kind of mix a couple different movies together when they talk about it. Yeah. So that was like, oh, that's a nice touch that they went back to. And I like that, that the whole thing, the first half of it is this this scene that they talk about with the shower and then the working out in front of the fireplace and the going for a run and the zombies and the zombies all jump in the pool and then it's like a whole separate second section of the movie where she's kind of in a slumber party with her with her girlfriends or whatever i think it actually breaks into three parts because you have her working out the working out the fireplace. fireplace and the zombies is a separate and running yeah, and then is a separate the, second thing right but i like the third section where it was like the slumber party and there's actually some a creepy looking killer comes in, which that was that that mask, the way that so it's a Ronald Reagan mask on somebody that looks like they're it looks like Tarman from Return Living Dead 2, basically, but with a Ronnie mask instead of being Tarman. And it just the way the guy moves, the the proportions of the person and the way that the mask moves with the person's it looks like their face. I mean, their eyeballs when they're there's no gap. It's not like some cheap latex mask that they bought from Halloween USA that they slapped on this person's head. It's like a pro mask. It's like they stole the one from Point Break and just said, here you go. But even better, like they they heat gunned it on this person's face or something. Yeah. And I really thought as low budget as this thing, it probably was. And as shoestring as it was, the zombie makeup that they do in that second part is uh, it's great. It's amazing. And they jump in the pool and it all stays on them. (laughs) There's no like floating appendages or noses falling off and, you know, any of that kind of stuff. So that was actually one of my notes is I got so they don't stay on that scene very long once they stay on a very long after or before they get in the pool but after they get in the pool they're only in there for maybe 20 seconds i gotta think whoever cleans that pool like and i'm sure it wasn't no they hated those people dude like just imagine all the gunk and all the shit that you had to troll out of that fucking pool from a bunch of dead you know zombie type characters I also want to give those zombies credit. You know, Linnea Quigley's doing this, and I mean, she's tiny to begin with at this point, but she's in her little, you know, workout gear and all this, and she has actual shoes that are appropriate to be exercising in, I guess. And here's these zombies in these busted-out dress shoes and full-on suits and wedding dresses <laughs> and stuff. And who gets buried in their wedding dress? That's not what happens, but... That's pretty dark. I like that they actually <laughs> took... Yeah, well, 
they actually took the time to not only do full makeup for these, I don't know, eight, 10, however many zombies there are, like doing step aerobics with her. They have them go through like a whole routine. Like if you're watching this, not exercising, that scene hits a point where like, Jesus, they're stomping around a lot. Let's move this shit along. They do like a whole 20 minute, like routine and like full on, you know, ratted out dress suits before jumping into this pool and and again i just imagine that pool turned into like this gel brown greenish muck of shit (laughs) probably pretty quick (laughs) it's just a big jelly blob in the pool when they get out all the powder and shit that got washed away in the water yeah how'd you like the phone call that kept interrupting her in front of the fireplace with all the somehow more insane roles that she would have to play or get offered to play I thought that the phone call honestly sounded like a proto Beavis and Butthead, like a proto Butthead from Beavis and Butthead, (laughs) the voice that came through. (laughs) And you could just hear like certain words being sprinkled in there. I thought it was kind of amazing. I'm trying to remember what it was that they were trying to get her to do. And she's like, I can't do that. I have a little bit of class. Like, do you though? I don't know, the floor routine when she's in front of the fireplace, I think, is where you get the best one-liners, though, because that's where she starts doing these. She's laying on her back, just kicking in the air wildly for a solid three minutes. She's like, you should probably do this on a bike. Oh, is that what you're trying to do? (laughs) This exercise really helps me keep my legs in the air. Yeah, something like that. (laughs) Not a ton of story. But then we get to the the final scene and or the last section of this. And like you said, she has all her girlfriends over. And of course, they're all in their underwear. The only movies that are in the house are the movies that Linnea Quigley's been in, which. And they have rights to show. Yeah. And they have <laughs> rights to show. So it sounds like you have a pretty decent collection. And where did they play? They went slime ball Bolorama, didn't they? For the movie. And I like that they're all like just huddled around this one gigantic bowl of popcorn. And then the next scene, they're just second. They're just bouncing back and forth. And, oh, we're back to aerobics now. The story, if you could call it that, is very super thin. It's like three different vignettes basically stitched together. My biggest complaint about this is the music is just a loop. It's like a 10 second loop that just keeps going and going and going. And I'm sure when you watch this, when you were younger, when the, probably the first few times before you wore the tape out from the video store, I'm sure you were just fast. They never got that tape back. No, they never got that. That was kept. I read that the, some of the VHS copies were going for like $400. I saw one today on eBay for 800 and some odd dollars. Oh, God damn. It had, do you remember when VHS video stores took the clamshell cases and they like shimmied the original cover into it? It had that oh, yeah. type of, yeah. And I was like, I'm, I am i don't have a VHS player. I'm not paying that kind of money for it. I'd rather just I have two. buy the Blu-ray. If you want to borrow one, let me know. I, I don't. <laughs> <laughs> but I, I could just imagine that when you watched it as a youngster, a younger man, you probably fast forwarded through all the workout stuff. You were just like hoping... As even though she was nude in the movie, you're probably just hoping for like a nip slip here or there. You know, oh, is there? It happens in the uh, it happens in the, in zombie the pool. Scene. Yeah. Oh, I, I caught that, John. I have a keen eye for that. <laughs> well, what's good about that one? If so, this movie is on Tubi, but is censored. I say censored loosely on Tubi. They they cover the scene like the scene at the beginning where the, she's in the shower and there's like a solid your your screen is just Linnea Quigley's tits for a solid 20 seconds. I was hoping my kids wouldn't walk in while I was watching that and getting the wrong <laughs> idea. They? I'm watching this for a sh- for the podcast kids, okay? Get off my back. Did they did they walk in? And thankfully no. <laughs> I uh, didn't lock the door, but I almost did. <laughs> oh god, I'm glad I have this kind of influence. <laughs> 
You don't know so scared anyway. until you're watching something you're not supposed to and someone's about to walk in. In regards to the topic of boobs <laughs> and censorship, what's funny about watching this on Tubi is they try to censor it, but when they do the actual like poolside step aerobics with the zombies, her tit falls out several times. And every time you see like the blur where it was supposed to be censored, try to follow the nipple and it just doesn't work. So it's kind of funny in that sense. It's like, why even bother at this point? Like, Tubi has all kinds of smut on there. Why are we trying to censor this of all things? But I think it would be great if they did it the showgirls way when they showed showgirls on VH1 and they drew like bikinis, black bikinis on everybody when they were nude. That would have been a great touch. Oh, you got to go. You can probably find the censored, quote unquote, censored version of showgirls. And I think you'll see it. Clips of it, at least. Oh, absolutely. That's probably on YouTube. I don't feel the need to watch. I was going to say, I don't feel the need to watch that entire movie again. What? It's a masterpiece. Is it? I haven't watched it in a while. Oh, absolutely. Of course it is. So if you want us to watch Showgirls and make an episode about that, let us know in the comments. Because Oh, my God. Be careful what you wish for. Yeah. Well, I didn't wish for it. I just said, if you want us to do it, I need more Jesse Spano on pills screaming about how excited she is. I'm so scared. I'm so scared. Hey, that guy showed up. That Good guy. Job. What's your opinion of uh, the Linnea Quigley horror workout? I'm sure you watched this several times. I own it. I love it. I watch it all the time. It's great. What are you watching tonight? It's, I'm watching it right now. Watch it right now? Yeah. It's good. It's great. Man of many words. Thank you. Goodbye. Do you have a name yet? I don't know. Don't know. Okay. Well, that's enough of that guy. Get out of here, guy. Go away. He he needs a name. The community has to name him. Name. Absolutely. Can't be the wipe your ass guy for the rest of his life. Is that what he is now? He's the wipe your ass guy? Well, he always asks you about wiping your ass. Oh, especially after Linnea Quigley, you got to make sure you're clean, right? <laughs> yeah. So anyway, back to the workout. Like we said, they, they go from like singing and eating popcorn to right into this like weird living room workout routine, which spends a lot of time focused on crotches. And am I the only one who's surprised there's not like more bush in that scene? Considering the time frame and whatnot, like I was kind of surprised there wasn't some bulges down there of just like crotch merkins. Yeah, it does a lot of focusing on when they're doing like, I don't know, leg lifts or whatever. And they're really focused in on the crotch. And like you said, I was really surprised that there wasn't something that kind of, for lack of a better term, popped out that you saw, you know, it was just so, so focused on it. Maybe it did happen and maybe they, they had to cut that. I don't know. I don't know if. I don't, this probably wasn't rated at all when it was initially released. Um, I would think not. I got to think. I mean, this went straight. This, yeah, it's unrated. Yeah, it didn't straight it, to video. It was. It didn't, it didn't premiere to the theater. Theaters. Is that what you're saying? Is there oh, a budget man. on this? Is there uh, anything like that on here? Let's see. Details. Blah blah blah. It's in color. It's in stereo. Yeah, there's no budget or any shit like that on here. No. I kind of wonder too. With this coming out in 1990, this would have been right after Death Spa, right after Aerobicide, and all that. Do you think this was just an attempt to cash in on that trend, or do you think this was just? I I would imagine that this had to try to sell somehow. But wh- where do you sell this video before the internet? You just send it to like skin stores and hope for the best. I think it must have been something. I don't think it had anything to do with any of the movies that we've really talked about previously especially you know the first two sure aerobicide or hell um, well it definitely Death doesn't Bomb. have anything to do with the um storytelling aspect of them no i think it was more of a cash-in because everybody had a workout video around this time like late 80s early 90s and i think that it was probably just sold out of magazines or something you know ads in fangoria or trade magazines or whatnot of fanboys and people that would appreciate fine tna like this from Linnea Quigley. Right. I'm also a little surprised that Linnea Quigley is the only one that you see naked in this. Like there's 
yeah four other women in this in that last act and they're all like by 1990 standards kind of close to it but you never see anything else fall out from it and that's not necessarily a complaint i don't really care but i kind of feel like if any movie was going to be like all right girls let's go jump in the pool or something like that like this would be the movie to do like just a total gratuitous like jump in the zombie slot pool and see what happens you know i'm really surprised that none of like you said that none of the women in that third little story or segment like none of them had any disrobing or anything it was all linnea quigley it just i mean her name's on the title so it makes sense but it's weird in a fact of actually watching it that that she happens to be the and not again no complaints i mean that's fine what it is what it is there's plenty of other avenues to see any of that stuff if you want to see it now but at the time you're like that's kind of odd i mean maybe they just didn't expect anyone to last all the way to the third act it's a possibility yeah that's true how'd you like the little clip show in between with her cooking and with the pan and the random shit that she was pulling out of the fridge i thought that was okay but i didn't it was eh, you know like it's more of again just trying to get to see what you can only watch so much of of hear that same 10 second loop for, for me my opinion i could only handle so much of that 10 second loop before I'm just like skipping through the workout stuff to get to the next like part of the actual quote unquote story that's that's going on in it. So it's like, OK, that's cool. <laughs> so what am I what am I missing? Is there anything that we need to touch on or we want to just roll right into some workout hot dogs? No, I think it's just there, it's it's very thin. I think if you know that, hey, Linnea Quigley is topless and nude through part of this movie or video and there's three parts of it that's that's really all the all the proper like information you need to judge if if this is something that you're going to want to seek out or not i mean you got the you got the the workout in front of the fireplace you got the zombies you got the slumber party with the gipper and that's it's a thing so you already started why don't you kick go ahead and start the uh hot dog train rolling i think i said it all kind of earlier i this is a movie or a video again i keep saying movie but it's not really a movie but this is something that i'd been aware of for a long time and it's seen clips of it, but never sat down and watched the whole thing. And I knew this was kind of near and dear to John's heart. So I figured I'd, hey, well, we'll you know, if it, it fit in the theme. And if we had four weeks, it would have happened last week. But, you know, we didn't realize January had five weeks. So we had fucking January. We, I know we had to add we had to f- rush to find a movie that would fit in. And Hell Spa was the one that we got that we pulled out of the hat. But, you know, it's it's I think we've said it all. Really, it's just got three segments of this thing. They're probably about 20, 20 minutes each, give or take. Uh, the the first one's consisting of the of the fireplace. The second one, the running and the zombies, and the third one, the slumber party. I really enjoyed the slumber party part of it more so because that the the Gipper character, the Ronald Reagan masked killer, is just such a weird, creepy, eerie kind of character. The the video, straight to video or shot on video quality of the movie really adds that creepiness factor. Like I've mentioned before on the straight up shot on video stuff that we talked about recently. And uh, yeah, it was just I didn't hold any nostalgia for it because it's just not something I had ever seen as a youngster. It wasn't something that was available. I mean, as far as a workout tape goes, I guess it's okay. I didn't follow. (laughs) I wasn't doing any of the uh, aerobics along with it. I give it a solid five out of 11 hot dogs. No, no fancy hot dogs this time. I think it's a, it's a really good thing to turn on if you're at a party or something. And you're all of like-minded individuals that it's not something that you need to pay attention to. Oh, hey, those chicks are 
they're bending again or they're kicking their legs out and you can almost see their crotches. That's pretty much what I would turn it on for it. I don't have any fondness for it because I hadn't seen it before, but you know, there's a time and a place for it. I don't know if I'll go back and watch it again, but if it was on, on a TV at a party I was at, I wouldn't, I wouldn't tell everybody to turn it off. This is, this is obscene, but you know, it's not something I'll revisit again. So I'm going to say this is the apex of cinema quality. This is as good as it gets. <laughs> Oh, my God. This is, is this the first perfect score we're going to get out of John. No, you've already had one. Okay, true. So, yeah, this is as good as it gets. It's Linnea Quigley. I don't care what she's doing. She's awesome. She's great. She's my favorite. She can do whatever the fuck she wants in perpetuity forever. Is there a story? No. Nah. Is there a character development? No. Do I give a shit? No. It has an hour of Linnea Quigley on camera. I'm happy. It's solid eight out of 10. If you can find it uncensored, that's the way to go, of course. But it's not, it's even worth its merit in censored, like nipple slippage that's worth peeking out and other goofy stuff. The makeup for the makeup that's used in it, what few scenes have it, is actually done pretty well. Like the way that it's shot, although it's not like we're talking about, you know, Martin Scorsese shooting a, you know, TNA workout video, but it's fine. Everything's in frame where it needs to be. It looks like it was professionally shot, even if it was on an unprofessional camera at the time. I don't know what kind of expectations you would have going into this movie, but whatever they are, this will exceed it. And <laughs> to your point of this being on, like in the background, like honestly, if you could just mute the, like the sound on it, because I agree with you, the music does get old kind of quick. You could have this playing on a loop in my house 24-7, and I would never complain. I'm like, yep, that's that's what's on TV. That's what that's so we have the TV that plays the Lions here, and then we have the other TV that plays Linnea Quigley all day, every day. Period. 24-7. Yeah. I like this movie. It's fun. It is the as hard as it is to believe that we found a way to top murder size, aerobicide, killer workout, whatever the fuck that movie's called, and death spa. We did because Linnea Quigley said so. And that's that. I like this movie. That's that. The defining word. Yeah. We did have a question of the week to go along with this. And it doesn't really go along with this because it's going to kind of lead into what we have coming up on the horizon. We're about a month away, be almost a month away to the day from when this comes out, from cr the return of Crummy Movie March, which is quite possibly the most genius thing that's come out of this podcast is Crummy Movie March. <laughs> <laughs> All right. I appreciate that. That's right. Tip of the hat to Sean. Tip my beanie to you. So our question this week is kind of looking for suggestions, kind of giving us some direction. Uh, we're kind of figuring out what movies we want to do, but we want your opinion. That's right. You as to what movies might be something that what are some of your favorite crummy movies of any genre that might be worth our time to check out that we could kind of shoehorn into possibly into Kermy movie March, or let's be real. They could just end up being part of the sh show at a different point too, because we celebrate crummy movie March all year long. Unlike you Christmas maniacs that are still got your lights on and stuff. With that said, our first response comes from Pearl who is at hissy face X on Twitter or X, whatever. All these responses this week are on X because that's the only place that anyone responded to us. So we're going to go with that. She said, Dr. Alien, 1989, the main character dork ends up looking like a snork with the help of Dr. Alien and it makes chicks super horny. So far, you're selling it. Chaos ensues after he gets a cool boner for the first. <laughs> a cool boner. <laughs> Aren't they all cool? Chaos ensues after he gets the cool boner for the first time. And then gets to bang Linnea Quigley and Ginger Lynn in an alien orgy. Lots of boobies, A plus. 
This sounds like a winner to me, and I haven't seen this movie. <laughs> I have to look that up tonight. <laughs> Jamantha Jones, at Jamantha Jones, said Sharks of the Corn. That is on my to-watch list and has been since I found out it existed. And quite frankly, I think we need to put a shark movie in crummy movie merch because there's so many crummy shark movies, and we haven't talked about any of them yet. That's true. I don't know there if are. it will be this one. I don't know if this will be the one that we land on, but it's sharks and there's corn. I'm going to screw this name up. That's fine. This is uh, why, why am I? Oh, okay. Why am I such a void? Says Simon says 2006. Crispin Glover is so awful. He's good. And me and the family always quote the, this disaster piece. So I do like Crispin, uh, Crispin Glover. We haven't talked about Friday the 13th part four yet, but you'll see why when we get there. I can't say that I've seen this movie, but I'm I can't really be mad about Crispin Glover. At Creep Cinecritic says Stall 2013, a janitor gets trapped in the women's restroom and is encountered in an all-out attack by a horde of zombies. Might not be my favorite, but it's on my list. Okay. That sounds pretty interesting. The way that he just described it looks more interesting than the poster does, to be perfectly honest. He added a picture of the poster. Okay. And the poster just looks like a guy in a bathroom stall with a bunch of zombies around it. It's very much so, you know how the Shaun of the Dead poster has like a bunch of them all kind of framed in? Yeah. Think that, but a guy on a toilet. Okay. Of- <laughs> the most vulnerable place you can be. Yeah. And the tagline on it says, a worthy successor to Shaun of the Dead, which I don't know. High expectations. Lofty goals there. Yes. At SA, a point says, the Howling 2, your sister is a werewolf. It's so bad. It's well, bad. I've only seen the first Howling movie. I think I've seen the Howling four for some reason but i don't really like it was on tv or something like that so sean benoit nine says dude bro party massacre 3 2015 intentionally bad acting in a good way cheesy homage to the 80s college slasher film jokes are asinine in a very clever way very funny with a decent amount of gore definitely one for people who love intelligent stupidity i've actually wanted to watch dude bro party massacre for a minute now so that might be a good excuse for it Brittany, who is at late and confused, said, hmm, well, how about a crummy movie with a, fair, with a fair share of crumbs? Sorry for the lame joke. I was going to suggest Ginger Dead Man with the voice of Gary Busey playing the titular homicide baked good. That's one that it's not going to be in March, but I could see us revisiting that come December because it is a have you seen that before? No, I haven't. I've heard of it, but I haven't I haven't seen it. Oh, it it's. It's a special kind of shit. I was going to sure. say, is it special? <laughs> it's it's a special kind of shit. And it they've made sequels, too, because there's the second one. I don't remember what it's called. Now I got to look it up. They, they did a crossover with the Evil Bong series, which that right there tells you a lot. So I've actually never watched any of those. But the second one is uh, Ginger Dead Man 2, Passion of the Crust. And then Ginger Dead Man 3, Saturday Night Cleaver, which they've also recast Gary Busey, which is disappointing or at least it looks like they did anyway uh were there any other responses here our friends over at dissect that film they said killer pinata which i have watched and i am not in a hurry to watch that again but (laughs) we'll add it to the list (laughs) just keeping it out there like it you know like we said and then last but certainly certainly not least would be our friend boomer over at podcast in the woods he suggested the movie Uninvited, which he added a picture of this VHS box, and this box is so drugged out that I am instantly interested. Whether it gets an episode or not, I'm watching this movie at some point. This absolutely, Boomer, excellent suggestion. This has been a favorite crummy movie of mine for at least 10 years. We have to do an Uninvited episode. If it doesn't fall in Crummy Movie March, that's fine. 
but it has to be done. It must be done. It will be done. So you heard it here first. Uninvited will eventually be a thing on this show, but not today. Today is Linnea Quigley's day, the apex of cinema, Linnea Quigley. I think that's all we got for this week. Do you got or you know what? I'm not even going to ask because we're going to, our answers are going to be posted through March. So you can deal with that shit then. That's right. We're going to start wrapping up here. So you can follow us at crap.town or find all our old uh, episodes at yourunpodcast.com. Both of those websites have all our stuff on it. Um, you can also find us on all the social medias at Dewey Pod Monster. Just search us. You'll find us. It's all over the place. And of course, you can follow our seriously neglected youtube channel which is also at dewey pod monster but maybe we'll figure something else to do with that by the time this comes out sean what am i forgetting what do you have going on what do you want to add in there to kind of tack on to the end of this episode about the most glorious film in the history of film well i just want to say january has been a fun theme month of new year's resolutions and working out and getting in shape it's been a lot of fun discovered some gems rediscovered some gems discovered some stinkers won't say which is which but you can infer based on what we said about said movies. In fairness, this was a, a theme month that we were pretty well aware of what we were getting into, with the exception of the one that got snuck in. Uh, right. With the so. exception of one stinker. Uh, what I would say is that if you want your answer to the question of the week read on this podcast, you got to answer the question of the week. And you can do that on social media. Every place that we have social media, which is pretty much all of them, at Dewey Pod Monster. Also, another big thanks to... The continuing support in the Spotify poll that gets posted for each of these episodes. If you have feedback about the episode, I implore you to leave it on Spotify. If you want to vote on the poll, I, again, implore you to do it on there. And uh, if you want to find out any information about my Michigan Craft Beer Adventures, you can find me at youtube.drafttherapy.com or on social media at Draft Therapy. All right. So we will be back next week. We'll be fat as shit because we're not working out anymore. And we will talk to you then. Cheers. Nice seeing you again. After a nice shower, Linnea. Oh, Jesus Christ. Let me start that over again. I always think her name is Leanne. No, what is it? I know it's Linnea, but I always think it's like when I think of it in my head, I don't think of Linnea. I think of some other name. That's not part of the review. All right. Anyways, <laughs> after a nice shower, ugh, Jesus Christ. After a nice shower, Linnea does some warm up stretches and then goes for a run. She encounters some flabby zombies who follow her back to her. her Jesus Christ. This is the worst. I'm going to start over. I'm going to leave all that in too.